This is a main hustle media podcast. I like them both. I just can't decide cuz tonight I know I need you beside us. I'm a gunnick baby coming by Korea. I like them both. There's no need to decide. No, we like girls, we like girls and boys, boys. We like girls, we like girls and boys, boys. I'm a gunnick baby, not no by Korea. Hey y'all, welcome to By Furious with Mixed Girl Maine. I am your host Charmaine, aka Mixed Girl Maine, and I am excited to be able to share with y'all the theme song for this show. You just heard it, it's a track called Biconic, written by my boy Conrad, and before we get into it, can I just say that I'm a little irritated with myself that I didn't come up with the term Biconic. Like, to be fair, I don't know if that term is out there on these streets or if my boy Conrad is just brilliant because we didn't chat about that specifically. But I love the term, Biconic. I'm going to be co-opting it and using it like crazy all over the place. But rewind. My boy Conrad put this track together for me specifically for the show. We were chatting about it back when I was announcing to my personal circle that I was going to be releasing a show that was going to focus on LGBTQ plus issues. And he was one of the first people to jump out and be like, oh, I'm so excited that you're going to add this show to your roster. And I know that he does music. He's actually formerly known. You can listen to some of his other music online. He was known as uh, Keto Rebel. Then he rebranded because now he's doing music that's more like true to his own personal heart and everything like that. So you can actually follow him on Twitter at Conrad Music. And that's Conrad with a K, K-O-N-R-A-D, music, M-U-S-I-X. I'm going to go ahead and put that in the show notes so that you can follow him. Please support a fellow bisexual identified person out there on these streets trying to put his music career together and and just, you know, tell him what you think about the track because I'm in love with the track. I'm in love with the track. Why don't we listen to it one more time before we get into it? I like them both. I just can't decide because tonight I know I need you beside us. I'm a gunnick, baby. Call me by Korea. I like them both, there's no need to decide, no We like girls, we like girls and boys, boys We like girls, we like girls and boys, boys I'm a chronic baby, not nobody curious I'm a chronic baby, call me by curious Alright, so that's hella dope. I mean, one can I just say, like, I've gotten custom music made for my shows before, um, not necessarily as personal because they were a friend of a friend of a friend. I had to go back and forth describing what my vision of the music was, and they wrote their interpretation of what I explained. But, you know, and I have a track that I like for the for the other shows, but in this particular case, it's very personal, like, it's very specific to me, to the show. And, you know, it's probably written more from Conrad's perspective, but it feels very personal. And I really, really love having a track like this for the show. I just love it. But I do understand that it might come off a little bit bicentric. And the show is called Bifurious. I am a bisexual host. Now we have a very bicentric theme song. Uh, it doesn't mean that the show doesn't encompass all LGBTQ plusness. But yeah, I don't know. I just love it. And I love that it was written specifically for the show. So thank you so much, Conrad, for 
putting yourself out there and putting together this tracks for the show. I definitely love it. So don't y'all forget, go on to Twitter, follow Conrad Music, and I'm going to put the lyrics to the to the theme song in the show notes. I'm going to put his Twitter handle and stuff like that so you can follow and support a fellow queer person out on these streets. All right, let's start the show. So the topic of this episode is actually something that's really important to me to probably we'll be dealing with this multiple times throughout the the life of this show. But I wanted to do an episode on this early on because it it's important to me as a podcast host that I am pretty transparent about certain issues or things that I deal with so that when I am participating in a discussion or when I'm putting together an episode and you're listening, that you understand where I'm coming from or my positioning things, just in case my view is not representative of your view. And one thing that I deal with as a bisexual person is I deal with erasure and I deal with a lot of discomfort within the community. So, and this is my own personal experience. So I am not what you would describe as a flag waving member of the queer community. It's not, I don't find myself in many queer spaces and when I am in those spaces I often don't feel um not so much to say comfortable but I, I often don't feel welcomed I, I don't feel that the space is necessarily mine or even something that I suffer on my mixed race side of my identity I don't feel enough of dot 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 it happens a lot as a mixed person but as a bisexual person because I am in a primary relationship with a, a heterosexual man and I can kind of live within straight privilege or, or whatever you want to call it, I, I feel that I don't often, like I don't necessarily always feel like I have a place within queerness, which is why this is a different kind of exploration for me in comparison to my other shows. Because with Militantly Mixed, I'm very, very comfortable in my mixed race skin. I know exactly who I am. And I know what my issues are when I need validation or don't feel validated enough as a mixed race person and stuff like that. This is just stuff that I've dealt with actively throughout the most of my 41 years. With Blurred Comics, that's pretty easy too. I'm a, you know, comic book geek. I'm a pop culture geek. I like to nerd out on a lot of stuff, but everything that I nerd out on always comes with the lens of my being a mixed race person and more specifically being a black mixed race person. And so I know who I am within my geekiness and who I am for that show. Oftentimes I would say that Blurred Comics I am more representative of who I am my, myself uh, as a regular basis on that show compared to anything else. But with Bi Furious, what I'm going to be dealing with a lot of times is whether or not I understand, have experienced, feel comfortable uh, within a lot of community related things. So this episode, I'm focusing on the keyword, the word queer, because... I am from the generation or a generation of LGBTQ plus folks that grew up with the term queer being used to hurt and harm and hunt us, to mistreat us, to 
disenfranchise us, to prevent us from getting jobs, to prevent us from being able to maneuver public spaces living out loud. And so I have a very uncomfortable relation to the word queer for myself. But I have learned to adopt the word because it is considered the universally or the umbrella term, the universally accepted umbrella term for our community. And our community is extremely diverse. And it's really, you know, when I was growing up, all we ever said was LGBT. And so you'll find a lot of times I probably do just say LGBT and have to remember to put the Q or the plus or the QIA, you know, things like that. Like I, I, I'm programmed by the time and I have to actively, actively be thinking about, oh, make sure you add the Q, make sure you say queer instead, things like that. And recently I was reading an article and the person who, who wrote the article had like 13 different letters that started out with LGBTQ. And then there was a couple of Qs, there was a couple of Ps, there was a couple of Is. And it kept going and there was just multiple, multiple letters. And I got to be honest, when I was sitting there reading all, out all the letters, a lot of those identities, I had no idea what the letters stood for. And then the person who wrote the article also didn't declare the breakdown. So I wasn't able to, to really tell if they were like making a joke about how many different, you know, publicly outlived identities we have under the queer umbrella. Or if there were actually identities that matched up to all the letters that were in the list. They didn't define it within their, their piece. And so I couldn't tell. And what bothered me about that is I don't want to be one of these people that are erasing anybody from the community through ignorance, which is going to happen. Not will for ignorance, but just like lack of access, lack of information. I want to make sure that when I'm saying terms on the show that everybody listening feels included or a part of the inclusive space that I'm trying to create here. And so I'm actively working on trying to use the word queer and be comfortable with the word queer. Knowing that I personally, I hear fingernails on a chalkboard when I hear the word because I come from a generation in which it was used as a derogatory term. And I wasn't actively, I was dealing with who I was and, and what my identity, sexual orientation and my sexual identity was around the same time that there were people active, actively organizing to reclaim the word queer. So I remember the reclamation. I was a part of it. I was a, I was a living, breathing teenager to young adult while this was happening. And I, I love that it happened. I, I respect that people decided to take something that was used to harm and turn it into something that was used to heal. I love it. I do. At the same time, I can't help that me personally feel a little bit triggered by the term, even as I'm trying to adopt it. And you will hear on previous shows or previous or my other shows in which I do actively refer to myself as a queer person and things like that. And honestly, I'm doing that because I know that that's what the accepted term is out in the world. For me, it is a code switch. It is me putting on the word queer because I know it makes other people comfortable when it actually makes me uncomfortable. So I wanted to deal with that early on in the show so that as I develop and I put together more episodes on different topics, you understand if I do sound off when I say the term or if I do sometimes pop off on and say like, well, you know, I mean, you know, for you, this is your identifier, blah, 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 blah. But for me, not so much. You know, I want you to know I want to be as authentic and transparent as possible. And knowing that, you know, 
as a person, I'm aware of my need to grow in some areas. And this is one of the areas I need to grow in. And it's kind of why I'm putting together a show for it. I'm trying to investigate a lot of my own preconceived notions, my biases, my feelings about the community as a whole, finding my place within the community. Because it's not an obvious space within the community, I tend to pull back instead of getting my feet wet. And this show is my effort to get my feet wet in the queer community and place myself within it, honestly. That's where I'm at at the moment. 15 episodes from now, it might be a totally different thing. But, you know, that, that's where it is. So this episode, that's what we're going to be talking about. What I want to do is not be the only voice that talks about the word queer and how people feel about it. Because I understand that people that are, let's say, let's say the folks that are, that are coming out or, or living out that are sort of teenagers to young 20s, They've grown up with the word queer as being the accepted term and maybe not, maybe not are aware of the history of the term. And it's just the word that has been their word. So I think we got that generation going on at the same time. Let's say people from like the mid twenties to the mid thirties are people who may have been coming up on the cusp of the reclamation. And so they, they might be cursorily aware of the history of the term aware of the reclamation of the term and are super duper excited that they have the term to use and 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 so they use it actively and then you got folks that are like me that are maybe 35 plus that are from a generation which it was still used as a derogatory term saw the whole reclamation and have adapted to it but are still kind of affected and triggered by the word and i think even maybe older than than me as well are people who have definitely lived a full-ass life in which it was a derogatory term. And, and maybe, you know, in this last patch in, in um, elderly age, not middle age, are having to decide if they're going to adapt to this word or not. And I want to I wanna share opinions from all of those generations. In, in the effort to put this episode together, though, I've only been able to tap a few <laughs> folks. So I think I'm going to be tackling this issue across many episodes throughout the life of this show. But to, just for starters, this being episode two, the important aspect of this show is more for the audience to understand where I'm coming from as a host so that my feelings about the word don't impact or impede your feelings of the word. I do not want the younger generation of queer folks to be like, oh, because the word has a negative history, maybe we shouldn't be adopting it. I absolutely don't believe that. But when I am myself triggered by the term, I don't want my being triggered by it to negatively impact my audience. So this is my effort in being transparent in what I understand the word to be and share some other folks' thoughts. I'm a damn mess when it comes to this term, FYI folks, as we get into it. So that's what we're going to talk about. I'll talk a little bit about the history. I will share a little bit about my weird relationship to the, to the word. And then I'm going to share some clips from folks that I've been talking to from my generation or slightly older to younger, like that mid-range generation that I said, like saw the reclamation and adopted it. And I'm trying still, I have a, I have an appointment scheduled at the time that I'm recording this. So I hope that I get them to represent that, that sort of younger generation who has grown up with the term, but I don't know if it'll fully work out, honestly, by the time that I'm recording this. So we'll see. And if I don't get the opinions of, and actually there is somebody I really, really want to talk to on this topic that I didn't get a chance to speak to 
in in time for this episode. So down the line, we'll probably do a full episode with that person. So we'll definitely deal with this multiple times. But that's what we're going to do for this show. And and just know that as the show develops, I'm trying to get my rhythm for it. I still don't know exactly how this show is going to shape up. I'm it's an, it's my exploration into the LGBTQ plus world through my lens as a mixed race person, a person of color, and through the lenses of the folks that participate with me. So here we go. Okay, so I'm not going to go full on sociological research project on the term. I'm just going to share a couple of nuggets with you about how the term has been historically used to lay the groundwork in the context for what it is that we're talking about as I bring on my guests for the show today. The word queer surfaces in pop culture in kind of the 16th century. It starts to be in literature. You know, we're talking about Bram Stoker's Dracula and Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. We're talking about a word that was used to describe something that was off strange, eccentric, a little bit different from the norm. It was not used in its early origins of the term. It was not used to describe anybody on the spectrum of homosexuality. It just wasn't. And it doesn't happen really until the 1900s in which the term is starting to shift from generally meaning something odd or weird to actually targeting anybody who exhibited traits that were believed to be homosexual. And we're talk we're also talking about a time where, you know, we're not talking about a spectrum of homosexuality because no one is accepting that it's an spectrum back there. We're talking about the binary. You either are or you're not. So we're talking about men who displayed any kind of effeminacy or women who displayed any kind of masculinity would be considered queer. They were off, they were strange, they were different from the norm also problematic because they we're talking about a puritanical society in which it is believed that a wholesome person would be heterosexual you know saving themselves from marriage having a family blah 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 blah. that's what we're talking about from this time so that's when this word in the early 1900s and and throughout the 20th century this is when we're starting to see the word used to describe someone on the homosexual spectrum but from the cultural perspective of a sexual binary. We finally get into my generation, folks that were born in the late late 70s. So to get, you know, closer to what it is, my issues with the term and why I tend to be a little bit uncomfortable about it still is I was born in the late 70s. And this is around the time of the very first and early cases of HIV AIDS popping up in which in the beginning of my life, they did not know what this disease was. And it only seemed to be popping up in the gay community. And so HIV and AIDS were known as the gay plague. You were, the cultural expectation was anybody gay would basically have AIDS. So you couldn't touch someone gay. There was a whole bunch of stuff like that. The homophobia and the fear of this disease that nobody knew enough about, including the doctors that were working on it. There was so much fear and craziness that that word queer starts to have a lot of different kind of fire in it than I think it may have previously. So by the time I'm growing up as a as a young kid in the 80s, I'm hearing and seeing the word queer used in Congress with violence. I'm seeing gay men being killed, beaten to death by, you know, homophobic straight men. 
I'm seeing the people being spit on and attacked for showing any kind of effeminacy, you know, gay men showing any kind of effeminacy. I don't see, I didn't grow up seeing a lot of violence towards lesbians. And honestly, I didn't even realize, and the way I grew up, I didn't even realize lesbians were a thing until I was a teenager. To be honest, I had no exposure to lesbians as a kid. Uh, but my mom was in the uh, hairstylist and in the 80s and probably a little bit after it was a pretty common thing that you would, could see a flamboyant gay man working in the hair industry and being fully out and that even straight people were kind of ex- accepting of the flamboyant gay hairstylist like it was okay to have a flamboyant gay hairstylist but gayness anywhere else in the world was still kind of not okay or comfortable. And so I'm growing up in that time. I'm seeing the word only said through gritted teeth, through violence, through through pain and suffering on the behalf of my queer counterparts. And I don't really know what it, my deal is yet because I'm a kid. I know that I like to hold little girls' hands and I know I like to chase little boys around the, the playground. But I was little and because it wasn't a part of the culture as a whole, I didn't have access to understand what it was that was happening with me as I'm chasing little boys around the playground and trying to hold little girls' hands. I didn't know. So flash forward into the early 90s, as I'm becoming a teenager and I'm starting to have attraction to boys and girls, it's still not being a part of the popular culture. I only still understand gayness and queerness as a bad thing. And heterosexuality and marriage and all that other kind of stuff is like that's what you're supposed to do and all I knew as a 14 year old girl is that I didn't want to get married I didn't want to have kids I really liked the tall boys that were on the football and basketball teams and I really liked girls with brown skin and curly hair and I thought I wanted to be them but then I kept having sexual fantasies about them and I didn't understand what was going on with me And I'm still dealing with the time period in which the word queer is being used only as a negative. And I was doing my damnedest to stop rumors about me that I was some kind of a weird bisexual sex monster, which I wasn't. But for some reason, something I was giving off within my exploration of who I was as a teenager was giving off queer vibes to people and so I was being called out for it without really understanding what the deal was with my own sexual orientation and then we're gonna we're moving towards me graduating high school and getting into my early 20s and that's when the big reclamation of the word starts popping up we're starting to see activists actually chanting the term we're here we're queer get used to it and you know, me growing up in the time that I'm growing up, I'm just like, oh my gosh, they said it. They said the Q word, but they're saying it like it's a good thing. And I'm watching the beginnings of the movement to take back the word, to take the the fire out of the word, to take the fear out of the word. And it was a weird kind of thing for me because this is happening at the same time that I'm barely understanding that what I'm experiencing is attraction to both men and women at the time. I just thought that, I mean, I guess I thought I was queer in the way, in the usage, the old usage of the word. I was off. I was different from norm. I was wrong in some kind of way. Even as we had gay people in our life, there were some gay people that it was okay that they were gay in relation to my family members and them. 
And then there were some people who wasn't. And that was when I started to understand what lesbians were. It was the first exposure that I had to lesbians and memories of being told, don't be in a room alone with them because they're women and you're a girl and they like girls. You know, it's, it's that, same, that same problem we deal with in, in mass culture of somehow homosexuality is also tied to pedophilia. And so the first exposure that I have to lesbians is also me being told to stay away from them. So as I'm starting to have attractions to girls my age, I'm being told that women who like women are wrong. So I'm, I'm dealing with a lot at the time that queer is still being used as a derogatory on one hand, and on the other hand, queer is starting to be reclaimed. Very confusing time as a young teenager, young 20s, to try to figure out what the fuck is the deal with this word and who I am. And then flash forward to by the time I'm 21, 22, I finally have had a sexual experience with a woman, with women and with men by that point. And I'm living out loud in my bisexuality to everybody in the world except for my family, which I think is tales all the time. I think a lot of us did that, right? So I'm going to my early prides as an out adult and things at the time that queer is finally tipping the scales to being owned by our community reclaimed by our community you know there were flags waving at at pride that said queer on it it was like the rainbow flag with queer written in black letters and things like that I remember that very vividly from one of my first prides and I was learning that it was okay to claim the word if you wanted it but I know that every time I heard it it was like a record scratch it was a it was fingernails on a chalkboard it didn't quite sit right for me and I don't think I actually end up using the term queer with any kind of comfort until probably just the last couple of years, honestly. I mean, more specifically, I think actively the last year. And the reason why that is, is because I end up producing a show called Black Radical Queer, hosted by my friend Javia Nicole, and she claims the word queer. And I'm having to roll and adapt with it because for me, I grew up in a time when queer is a derogatory term. And so I have this weird relationship to the word, like I'm, like I'm saying throughout this episode, in that I respect the usage of it and the reclamation of it. But when I hear it, I can't help that it makes me feel a kind of way. And, and so I've really only been actively using it and attempting to adopt it for myself over the course of this last year. And then I also have another w- weird element to it, which we don't have to get too much into, but I was also raised by British people. And, um, you know, my family is a mix of Caucasian, British and black on my dad's side and Japanese and Scots, Irish, German, Irish, uh, Appalachian, white Americans on my mom's side. And so part of my childhood, I am growing up in a house with a British woman and listening to British TV shows and comedies and things like that. And the, the usage of the word queer and the F word are different in Britain than it is here. It's not really used necessarily, well, the F word definitely isn't used um, as a as a derogatory term for queer folks. It's a cigarette, man. But queer is still used in the original way of it being odd or off or different. So in those contexts, in very British contexts, the word queer doesn't bother me. But in American homosexuality, the word queer was. And this is my relation to the word. So what I'm going to do before we get into some of the other clips is I'm going to share a discussion that I had with somebody that's around the time of my generation. We, we share the generation. We both have um, a strange, rela- we, we both have the relation to the word in which we aren't 100% comfortable with it. 
This is my friend Byron. And so here's a little bit of that discussion that I had with Byron. So I'm just trying to find, you know, a couple of different representations of, of every, I want to say generation, because that's what it kind of feels like. Like it's multiple generations of queer folk living with how they feel about the word. Right. If that makes sense. You know, and when you, when you asked me about it, it, I, I, I immediately had this uh, moment that I went back to uh, when you talked to me about that. And it's funny because when we're, when we're talking about that word, for me, it, it, uh, it intersects and bisects and dissects into <laughs> these many different moments mm-hmm. for me. The, the intersect happens as a filmmaker when we talk about queer, we're okay. talking about queer cinema and queer, you know, queer filmmakers. And right. that's when I was first introduced to the word as a proper term, so to speak. As a non-derogatory uh, term? Yes, as a okay. non-derogatory term for a specific type of film genre. And I'm going, oh, well, okay. Uh, the 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 movie Tongues Untied uh, by Marlon Riggs was the first queer film, quote unquote, that I ever saw. And then came uh, Paris is Burning. Right. So those to me were were queer, and the word queer uh, was very specific. This we're we're talking about non-heterosexual uh themes right and but prior to that it was i the word queer was a derogatory term for a white gay yeah oh i never really thought about it like right it was uh for you know for for black gay people queer what you punk oh oh okay Mm. you know it, it was it was that thing, mm. and then you know, being amongst your white gay friends, yeah, to hear the word queer, you know, you would see this, you know, look of terror come across the face, you know, when some you know body would say it out of turn, right. So it, yeah, it, it has all of these these moments for me that that one word, and. Um, those are the two that I tend to place them as when, you know, I don't, I don't use the word for myself to define myself. See, same thing. Like I'm using it now actively because of the various shows and stuff like that. And, and because of some of the events I've been invited to where that is the accepted term, I have been using it, Mm -hmm. but it, I feel like it chips away at me a little bit when I say it about myself because of my context of the word, similar to yours coming from Mm -hmm. that time when it was just not used as a positive. So at all, like, I want to say if I understand the space, like if I'm in, let's say it's a corporate environment and which is predominantly we're assuming white and heterosexual. And then they're saying, oh, we're going right. to have a queer event or something like that. That's going to hurt. 
<laughs> like, not going to lie. Yeah, I'm, the... <laughs> yeah, you're raising a couple of eyebrows. Going, right. But if it is, like, somebody that I understand to be a, a person who identifies as such, and mm -hmm. they are putting on yeah. an event, then I'm like, okay, in this context, because of basically the culture I'm maneuvering through right now, I will describe myself as queer because then I don't have to explain all the context. But for me and what yeah. I think for this show, it's kind of the reason why I wanted to start this, um, this show off with this episode is because for me, it is hard to adapt the term. And yet I feel like it, I have to because of the current environment. So for me, it's a code switch just to be able to do it for the show. <laughs> Ooh, that is that is a good way to put it. It is a cold switch. Yeah. Uh, oh man, that is that's dead on accurate. <laughs> so for you, <laughs> like you, you kind of similar to me. You have that thing of like uh, you hear it. It's a little bit of a record scratch mm -hmm. or something like that. And mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. are there any circumstances like what I'm describing, what I'm putting myself into right now, where you? adapt the term or do you all are you always pretty clear about it like i understand that this is a term we're all using right now but it's just like not my term it is not my term and i and i don't say it because i don't i don't reference myself as uh queer right uh, see even saying it it's uncomfortable I feel, right i don't if i i feel like i'm like like using uh some other colloquialism or some other mm -hmm. slang from some other country when I say queer. Right. Yeah, but um, when 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 I'm in in specific arenas, like you know, if, if we're navigating the the white LGBT communities, um, or for me, the other place is uh, queer film, like in queer mm -hmm. genres, queer filmmaking, mm -hmm. queer film. So that I can I can immediately place it there. There's there's two film festivals that happen here. Uh and one is called Queer Hippo. Uh it is very, very it is in big bold letters, Queer Hippo. It, it was it was created uh by another uh fellow filmmaker, Kenithia Powell. And she was very purposeful in naming it that. Um, and she's really deep when she explains it, and you're going, "Oh shit, that is that's strong but deep." Mm, mm. And the other film festival is called Q Fest. It it doesn't use the word queer, but Q you you can put two and two together, right? Yeah. So, but that's the only time that I will ever use the word. No, that makes sense to me I too. That, I, I I can't. I I I can't. I don't. I, yeah. All right, so that was just a small portion of the conversation that I had with Byron, where we specifically were talking about the keyword, him being from the similar kind of generation of LGBTQ plusness in which we're both kind of uncomfortable with the term and only have been using it or adopting it in specific spaces. Uh, I didn't realize when we set out to start talking that we were that close in line. I just knew he kind of came from my, my time and was wondering if, if he had the same feelings. but. It was really in talking to him that I got into, that it kind of started to click for me. It's like, yes, in places I am forcing myself to use a term I'm not super duper comfortable with uh, because I know that it makes other people comfortable. And just because I am now putting myself out there in a public space as a personality with the podcast, it felt important to adopt the term for that reason. But after further parts of this 
longer conversation that we had, that's when it was kind of starting to click for me that it is okay for me to not use the term for me if I'm not comfortable doing it, and, but that I can continue to use the term in public spaces, professional spaces, and, and with people that I know use it for themselves. So that was Byron, uh, aka The Voice. Uh, he and I actually went to grad school together, so that's how we met and uh, been friends ever since. And he's doing big things out there in Houston. Actually, why don't I let him tell you what he's doing out there? Thank you for sharing your thoughts on the keyword with me. Uh, do you want to tell everybody who you are and uh, how they can follow you on social media? Um, well, gosh, uh, I feel honored. Uh, my name is Byron Kennedy, and I am a audiovisual storyteller, or what everybody knows as a filmmaker. And um, you can either follow me on Facebook uh, under B-Y-R-O-N, last name sounds like Kennedy, but it's Kennedy, C-A-N-A-D-Y. Or on Instagram, I am, what's my name? BBC Texan. <laughs> yeah, BBC Texan. Oh, it's no underscore. So just B-B-C-T-E-X-S-O-N-T-E-T-E-X-S-O-N. And that's me on Instagram. So y'all holla at me. Holla at your boy. You can follow me also, uh, my production company, uh, Colorbox Multimedia. We are uh, a, a Texas-based production house. And you can follow us also on uh, Instagram under ColorboxMM or Colorbox Multimedia. And also on Facebook, uh, Colorbox Multimedia. Man, I'm really trying, but everything is so loud in the background of my apartment building today. I, I do not know what's going on, so sorry if there is a lot of ambient loudness in the background, but that's the, the nature of recording where I'm recording. So this next pick is actually with my partner in pod, Javia Nicole, host of the Black Radical Queer podcast, and, which is another podcast on the main Hustle Media Podcast Network. And for the last year... I've been adapting and getting used to the term queer because I am the producer and editor of Black Radical Queer. So I hear the word on a regular basis, on a weekly basis. And it is how Javia identifies. Obviously, she's called her show Black Radical Queer. She's comfortable with the term. She identifies with the term. And she and I have had conversations about this, about me adjusting and getting used to it and things like that. And so I got together with Javia to hear her thoughts on the term, her being from the generation that is sort of like 10 years below mine, 10, 11 years below myself, uh, in which she's familiar with the usage of the term as a derogatory, but really coming out during the reclamation of the word. So here are her thoughts on the Q word. So for me, um, I do have some familiarity or like knowledge of the word queer as being a derogatory thing. I know that when I was younger, I feel like it's something I heard more so in relation to men. And it was something kind of along the lines of like the F word or something like that. I I can't really say that I remember it being utilized in regards to women. But then again, like women in relation to kind of like LGBT stuff or queerness or whatever, wasn't really something that was seen as serious. It's like, okay, well, you know, it's just kind of like a phase or whatever. So what was seen as like the real <laughs> homosexuality uh, or like the real thing was uh, definitely in relation to men and men, men being with men. So I was used to like queer being used um, kind of in a disparaging way or derogatory way in that regard. But as, as time went on and as I kind of 
came up and grew more into my um, my sexual orientation and kind of had a fuller under started to develop a fuller understanding of it I started to hear the rhetoric around the word queer change and then I started to uh, like just hear it being used more so as an umbrella term but still something that was very much relevant to sexual orientation so it kind of like being an umbrella term for folks who it, it, to some extent has some type of like same gender loving inclination whether they were you know um, gay or lesbian or bisexual or pansexual. Um, it just kind of being this umbrella term. But I can't say that I, at least when I was younger, like I can't say that I, I automatically knew of trans people being included in that. Now, I don't know if that was or wasn't the case. I just, it just wasn't something that I was aware of because, but that could just be due to a lack of visibility for trans folks. So as time went on, because I came out at um, around the age of 14. So this was, I got to try to do some math. This is 2019. So that was like 2005. Oh, no, not 14 years ago. I was 14. So 17 years, so 2002. <laughs> See, my math, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. <laughs> but um, in 2002, around the time I came out, that was, you know, I kind of saw that shift of it being used as a derogatory term and then more so in relation to men. So it being something that was um, that folks themselves uh, started this reclamation process with and started to identify with, but it was definitely still in relation to sexual orientation specifically. And I can't say that it included like, like gender variants. So that's a, a shift that I started to see as I've gotten older. I would say probably over the last, mm, probably over the last seven years or so, I've started to see, or mm, maybe even less than that, maybe like the last five years. Yeah, maybe more so like the last five years, I've started to see the term queer utilized in a way that is more um, kind of also encompasses gender variants. And so when I start to see that shift, that is what honestly made me kind of like take a look at the word and start to uh, consider whether or not it was something that fit me. Prior to that, so all this time from the time that I came out in, in 2002 uh, to around um, 20. 14 or so, or maybe 2013-ish, somewhere around there, I just always identified as a lesbian and always like very, uh, and that was it. And, I, and it's something that resonated with me a lot and something that um, I had an affinity for. And it just was like very, a very like um, integral part of my identity. And so as I started to consider this word queer, I had to ask myself, like, what is the difference for this? Like, if this is something that I adopt for myself, why? What is, what is significant about this? What does it encompass that lesbian does not for me? And so as I've kind of uh, explored more and gotten to know myself better, I recognize that um, the part that it now encompasses um, includes kind of like gender, gender variance, gender expression. I'm someone who like, I think a lot about gender and kind of like what it means for me. And um, I identify as a woman, but I also recognize that like, I feel like my experience or my expression of womanhood is also queer. And so that, so for me, my identification now as queer, it uh, is something that I adopted because it encompasses both my orientation as well as kind of my feelings about my own gender and what womanhood means for me and looks like for me what my experience of womanhood is. And I feel like my experience of my sexuality as well as my gender is a queer experience. So that's why it's something that I use to identify myself. And I also 
um, and for me, it is also a very politically loaded term. I very deliberately identify as queer as a, a political statement because I think that it is something that kind of um, separates me from what is seen as, seen as the status quo, which is like cishet, you know, whatever. So me, I, me using that moniker to like identify, uh, to like uh, label myself or identify myself, I think it aligns me with a certain, with certain like political and social leanings that are very important to me. So I think that it is the term that has come to like encompass for me a lot of things about myself, the way I love who I love, the way I express and feel about my gender, um, what my political and social um, leanings are. And so that's why it's something I utilize because I do feel like it it successfully encompasses all those things. It is not just about sexual orientation, but about me as like a whole person and kind of what um, what I live like and what I stand for. All right. So those were Javi's thoughts from Black Radical Queer. And again, here's another conversation I'm having about this word that shows me a different perspective on it and kind of opens me up to possible different interpretations that I'm not really using. What I notice is about the difference between my conversation with Byron and my conversation with Javia is Byron and I come from a time where the word is so associated with homosexuality and as a negative that it's really hard for us to adopt it, even as we know that the, the world has evolved and changed and there are places in which it's comfortable for us to use, it's a little bit more comfortable for us to use it and, and where we're not. But then you flip over here to the conversation with Javia and Javia taking the word to start to incorporate her understanding of gender or the way she presents her gender, that I can see how you starting to claim the word in a way that it make, removes it even further from the derogatory. In my case, you know, I'm a cisgendered woman, but I rarely think of my womanness over any of my other intersections. First, I am a mixed race woman. And within that mixed race breakdown, first I am black because that is culturally what I had most access to growing up. The people that I grew up around, the the family that I grew up around. Uh, my next hierarchical inter uh, identity is Japanese because again, that's the next amount of cultural interaction I had. The family I was raised around, the people I was around, and then the Caucasian British falls in under there. And then my other the other part of my whiteness, my my mother's side of the family, I don't know any of those people. They weren't around, so I don't. I, it's hard to culturally identify, but I'm just you know aware of them as as a mix in my ethnicity. So once we get away from the mixed race breakdown and the ethnicities, then I jump over to my next thing is that I am a bisexual polyamorous woman, and that is a hyphenated term for me. I am bisexual hyphen polyamorous because. While I am, my sexual orientation is that I am bisexual, I am attracted to people who identify as men and people who identify as women, two genders, regardless of whether they are cisgendered or trans. The person who identifies as a man codes masculine and the person who identifies as a woman codes feminine. The body parts don't matter as much as the coding of the gender. The, that is what I'm that's how my attraction works. I am bisexual. I am polyamorous in my lifestyle, meaning that while right now I am, I do have a primary partner, my husband, he is a cisgendered heterosexual male, but we are polyamorous. So sometimes we have other relationships, romantic relationships. Sometimes we share a romantic partner. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes they're separate. And my polyamorous lifestyle affords me the ability to explore my entire sexual orientation, my, my entire sexual identity without having to, to choose one because I happen to be monogamous. 
Uh, so that's why I hyphenate it because I think my my poly, my polyamory allows my bisexuality to flourish throughout my life versus say a monogamous bisexual person who falls in love with one a person of one gender and then they don't get to explore the other half of their uh and so that that's my next hierarchical identity and then below that I even go to belief system before I go to gender. So for me, my next hierarchical identity down is that I am an atheist. It is important to me that I am up front and out of the closet about that because if I do partner with somebody of a different belief system, we're going to have some fundamental issues in terms of decisions that we make about our healthcare and life and death, you know, how how we deal with our bodies after we die, things like that. And so for me, it's important to be upfront about my atheism so that if I am becoming romantically involved with somebody, if if they have a fundamental difference of belief than I, I can't put it in, I can't put my decisions, my healthcare decisions and my death decisions in their hands because they may push things into the direction of what they want. You know, they may have a religious ceremony when I die, which I would not approve of, or they, you know, depending on the belief system, maybe they wouldn't donate my organs as I would prefer. If I were in a situation in which life support was at stake, you know, perhaps they wouldn't pull the plug as I would wish them to be because of their belief system. So Again, within my hierarchy, it's important that you know up front, I'm a mixed race person and here's how I identify. I'm a bisexual polyamorous person. Here's how I identify. I'm an atheist. Here's how I identify. And then I make a joke that I I would almost put that I'm a comic book geek and a cat mom ahead of my gender. Because honestly, I think about that stuff a lot more than I do think about my gender. And perhaps that is a privilege of mine only because I am cisgender woman, but my decisions usually don't typically filter through that way that as often as the other things that I list within my hierarchy. Of course, as a woman, there are things that I need to consider walking down this alley by myself, you know, because of safety and things like that. Of course, my womanness does come into play on, a, on you know, from time to time. But in my mind, I'm not thinking about my gender as often as I am thinking about the other things within my intersection. And and so hearing Javia talk about how the term queer started to click for her a little bit more once she kind of identified gender as part of it, you know, because while she is at times very femme presenting, there are uh, behaviors and our attributes that are attributed to her that might be considered masculine or dominant or anything like that. And, and so that coming all into play into her gender allows, you know, the allowing that the word queer allows her to have interpret her gender the way she does clicks for her and makes sense. So hearing that actually makes me think, okay, you know, maybe there is more to this gender word or to this queer word than I have allowed myself to be comfortable with. So it's really interesting how each one of these conversations actually starts to adjust even my own perspective of the word queer. And so we're going to do it again. Uh, so before I switch on to our next guest, let me just have uh, Javia tell you how you can listen to her show and find her. Hey, y'all. I am Javia Nicole. I'm the host of Black Radical Queer Podcast, which is I'm a part of the Main Hustle Media family, I guess you can say. Um, you can find Black Radical Queer on um, across all social media, wherever you get your podcast from on Instagram and Twitter. You can find me at Black Rat Queer. It's B-L-K-R-A-D-Q-W-R. And there's also a 
group on Facebook called the BRQ Discussion Group, where um, you can join as well. So out here, uh, all across the internets, if you want to check out the show, Spotify, Google Play, um, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all those things, you can find Black Radical Queer. So my next guest is Andrew from the Lifestyles of Gay Black Boy podcast. And he and I are actually members of the same social group on Facebook called Black Podcasters United. It's a resource group for, for fellow Black podcasters. And he had posted a question on the subject of self-consciousness a couple weeks ago in the group. I responded to it, and he had taken what I said and added it to his show last week. So last week? Yeah, last week. So that's how I became aware of him. And he and I got to chit-chatting about this issue of the keyword and our relation to it. So he shares his perspective which like Javier, he's about 10, 11 years younger than me. So he is from the generation where the reclamation was happening, but he actually, the word was used against him throughout his childhood. So he does have that experience of the word. And we chat a little bit about, you know, how that impacted him and the way he relates to the word today. We're talking about the Q word and, you know, I've already said what my little issues are with the word. Uh, what's been your experience with it and, and how do you use it in your in your regular life? So my experience with the Q word of queer, it started off when I was a lot younger and I grew up late 80s baby into the 90s. So during that period, a lot of the gay liberation front that was being broadcast on TV, I was starting to see more, mm-hmm. especially with the AIDS quilt in Washington. That was a big stand up moment for me to right. see those things out there then the first time I heard queer was around that same time and actually came from a friend of our family who was at my parents house at the time and I remember there was something on television and at that moment the guy who was there was saying those queers are just trying to take over the world Mm. and when I first heard the term I'm like what does that mean I didn't understand it and I remember my mom and dad getting upset but not upset at him saying the word, upset at the fact that the people on TV were queer, as he said it. Got it. So from that moment, I was like, okay, I don't know what this word is about. I don't want to ever say it because I just don't get it. But the people on TV, I think they're cool. And it Did was you the- know then what your orientations were or were you just very young and didn't even think about it yet? At that moment, I was still young, but didn't think about it. Mm -hmm. I did notice that I was different than a lot of the people who were around me. And at that moment in life, I was growing up on a military base. So Mm -hmm. I was surrounded by hyper-masculinity and then the hyper-idealized feminism at the same time. Right. So it was, oh, it was an interesting time. I can say that. (laughs) (laughs) And I just think about... As I grew from there and then started to get more world experience, the word queer kind of fell off in a way. I didn't hear it as a negative as much towards me, except by random people who would shout it. And still at that point, I'm just like, okay, it's just a word. I didn't get it. And it wasn't until I understood that I was gay and understanding what it meant to be gay. And then I heard somebody say it while I was out at a store with my parents and they were shouting at me, calling me a queer. Mm. Immediately, I felt all this just angst inside. I just knew I'm like, okay, now I'm getting card the word that I heard so long ago and it was negative. So I must just be some negative person. And it kind of just ingrained itself into me at that point that queer 
was a bad word. Right. And further on from there, it took a couple of years until people started reclaiming the word queer. And the first time I had heard the acronym of LGBTQ, one of my friends was explaining it to me. And trust her, I'm like, you're a part of the community. I know what you're saying. So I asked her, I'm like, what do all the letters mean? Because I didn't know. And then when she said Q stood for queer, I'm like, isn't that a negative word? Mm -hmm. And I did not believe her. It took almost two hours of her convincing me that it was not meant in a negative way. Because I'm like, no, I'm not saying that. You're just joking with me. When I go outside, someone's going to say you sound stupid. Right. Right. (laughs) So I had still this fear about the word until I got a clear explanation on what queer meant. And she explained it to me as an umbrella term for the LGBT community as somebody who is different from what you would consider heteronormative. Yeah. And then from there, I'm like, okay, I think I can learn to get into this word more. So now do you, do you embrace it? Do you describe yourself as a, as a queer person or do you, I mean, I know your show is lifestyles of a a gay black boy, but do you also refer to yourself as a queer person in conversation? I have only used queer once describing myself and I only did that because I didn't know how to really put it into a sentence, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so there was a friend of mine I was having discussion with and he and his partner, they describe themselves as a queer-based relationship. Mm. And I didn't get it at first. I'm like, why don't you just say you're gay? And he's like, well, no, it's not that we're just gay. We're queer because our relationship is poly and it involves so many other different facets. Mm -hmm. So in that same conversation, I was like, okay. I was like, well, I guess my lifestyle would be considered queer. I would be a queer person of color. And it was the first time I had ever said it. It was only two weeks ago. <laughs> How did it feel when you said it, though? Did it feel like an outfit that fit? Or did it feel like it was a little bit too much? So, you know, when you have a great outfit and you try on a hat and you think the hat looks great, but self-consciously you're just like, I don't understand this hat and I don't know why I bought it. <laughs> that is actually a really clear description of how you felt in the moment. And I totally understand it. <laughs> continue going on using it until I get more comfortable because I think right now even though I know it means good and I've grown up in a time where it's changed its original meaning to what it is now I'm still you know in that mindset of someone's going to hear me say queer and they're going to get offended and I don't Mm. know how to explain fully for myself yet honestly yes that's exactly where I kind of am about it because you know I produce a show called Black Radical Queer with my friend Javia Nicole she is the show creator the host and everything so it's not like I'm not being used to hearing the term queer it's it's literally the name of her show and how she describes herself so over the course of the last year I've been trying to to get used to it I understand it is the umbrella term right now it's the accepted term get used to it so in context 
in in conversations and where somebody puts forward first that they describe themselves as queer then i say it about myself but it always feels weird it's it's that hat that you're not sure about like you're saying and then i you know i go away from it and i feel like that was an ex- successful exchange because they felt comfortable because i used the word that they use uh but i'm not really accounting for my discomfort with right. the term while i'm doing it and and i also I, I said earlier in the program that you know a lot of times i just say lgbt and it's not because i'm being exclusive it's just because that's the that was the term when i was growing up so that was the term like as i was coming out that was the word that was available to me or the acronym was available to me and so i forget like oh yeah add add q add i add a you know things like that and so i find myself feeling a little disingenuous on my show when i'm saying as a queer person of color or whatever because it doesn't sit right just because of my relation to the history of the of the term not because i don't respect the term or find the term as an accept- acceptable word for you know for us as a community it's just um i'm still getting used to it i want i don't know how long it'll take for me to get used to it or if i ever will but so i'm in this like on this episode itself between the people i've spoken to and my own exploration of it i've gone from referring to myself as a queer person and feeling uncomfortable about it to saying you know i'm probably not going to describe myself that way that often but still say i am a bisexual polyamorous person because that is my deal right if i say it again or use the term, I have to get more comfortable with it. And it would mm-hmm. most likely come up in conversation where somebody else has already described themselves as queer, because I feel like it would help me relate to the situation better. But as of now, I don't know if it'd be a term I'd use to con- to describe myself just generally. All right. So that was Andrew from the Lifestyles of a Gay Black Boy podcast. I will let him tell you how to access his show right here. My name is Andrew Shepard. I am the host of Lifestyle of a Gay Black Boy. My show is just centered around experiences that I have gone through and some of the things that have contributed to the state of my life where I am now. And it focuses on some things that have to do with mental health, finances. It does get a little political, but I'm not the most political person, so I won't be talking about parties, but it's more about just how to understand politics because it's a maze. Um, outside of that, it's just a good time to have fun and it's a venture that I'm finally reclaiming my voice and having fun doing so. To listen, I am on all major podcast platforms. Um, the show is Lifestyle of a Gay Black Boy. And you can also find me on the social medias at Lifestyle GBB. And you can search that on Facebook and Instagram. So again, just another perspective that kind of, as I'm hearing him speak i'm adjusting the way that i feel about the word a little bit again from the time that i start so chronologically the first person i spoke to is monty who you're going to hear from here in a second and then javia and then byron i believe yeah javia then byron then andrew and for every person i've spoken to when i hear their perspective and and not just that they use the word or don't use the word but the context in which Um, they came to the word or how they got it to adapt to their view of their own orientation and things like that. It it helps me, it aids me in understanding the word a little bit better and uh, makes me reevaluate what I feel about the word. And when I set out to do this, I didn't know that I was going to find people who had very similar feelings about the word as I did. In fact, I actually thought 
I was going to be a full minority in this thing because I have, you know, for, you know, over the last little while, I haven't seen other people who felt the same about the word. So I understand that this is not a full picture of the word. It's not a full picture of the whole history of it either. But it is interesting in terms of where I'm at in my journey in accepting the word that I'm finding people that actually are in the same place as me or were in the same place as me at one point, but then adjusted or are happy that it exists and that it was reclaimed, but, you know, still not okay for it for themselves. It's, it's just interesting that this is our relation to what is a very complicated word. So this next one that I'm going to share with you is Monty. She is from the Comfortably Excluded podcast. And when she and I set out to talk, we were not talking for this episode. We were talking for something completely unrelated, but because we're both podcasters, we record everything we fucking do. So we were talking about something unrelated and then it kind of turned towards LGBTQ issues. And during that, the word queer came up. And then I said, you know, I've been thinking about this word lately and how I feel about it. And so we got into a further conversation. So after the fact, once I decided to actually turn this into an episode, the topic of this episode, I'm like, hey, do you mind if I went ahead and used that section from our conversation to include in my episode, which she was cool with. So this thing that's coming up is, like I said, it's, it's like a segment out of a larger conversation that has nothing to do with this word. It was just a section of it. So I'll, this is going to be my conversation with Monty, and then we will wrap up afterwards. For me, absolutely. Where I grew up queer was, was a derogatory term, mm. but not as extreme. I also grew up with, I also grew up, I grew up with my aunt and uncle for majority of my life. And my uncle Ray raised me as his own child. My uncle is a bisexual man who was mm. married to my aunt. And his brother um, has been Patty LaBelle his entire life, mm. <laughs> like on and off the stage. So I grew up after I was I moved in with my aunt and uncle at the age of 11. I grew up mostly in that community. I grew up very I grew up mostly with. Um, queer and binary, non-binary individuals who at a very young age, I, they instantly, I heard that I got to hear that word in a more positive sense. Okay. But That's absolutely cool. in mixed company, it, it, it hurts. It makes me upset when certain people say it. Mm. And yeah, me reclaiming queer is more so just because that's where my sexuality lies. Right more so because I have, I've dated first, like I say, it was bisexual. It's mostly men, women, um, cisgendered for the most part. Right. And then I started to open up and I noticed that like, I am attracted to maybe someone who wasn't always a man, maybe someone who wasn't always a woman. Hell, I'm attracted to that person that kind of wants to fall in between both lines. Mm -hmm. I've, I've, I've been very so sex positive for majority of my life mm. that when it came down to really trying to identify my sexuality, I decided to take, to take the cue Okay. because m my love language is very out there. It's a little weird. It's not, it doesn't stick to most standards <laughs> that people like. And, um, yeah, for me, it doesn't. It doesn't hurt, but it depends on where the words are coming from. Right. If you're not, I'm not going to lie. If you ain't fam, I ain't trying to hear it come out of your mouth. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's what it is. Like there are times when certainly with 
this last year working with Javia for Black Radical Queer and understanding, you know, her her way of using it and everything like that, you know, I'm never uncomfortable hearing it or speaking <laughs> it with her. But like you said, mixed company, you go out on the road and you hear somebody say queer yeah. and the way they say it, the tonation it could be everything it, you need. It doesn't sound good. And it's, it's the same with, with me because I know a lot of people, you know, don't really care, but the same, it's the same with the N-word for me. Like, mm-hmm. same, yeah. in mixed company, I ain't trying to hear that shit. Right. I'm not trying to hear it because I know you don't, because you don't know the history of it. Mm-hmm. You don't know what it really means. You just want to say it because it's a, it's, it's either popular to say right now, or in the, in the case of queer, it's, it's, it's a common term that people can just use like an umbrella. Right. And the thing is like, if you, uh, there's so many ways in which you use the word in context that either word, because they both have a, a similar thing is like, there's some people that even if they are slightly it depends on how they grow up. I mean, like, I'm just trying to get there, but like, it depends on how they grow up. I never give anybody else that labor of queer because right. Like, I don't know your identifier. So I don't just automatically assume everyone is queer as well. Or they like that because there are a lot of people in the community who don't, who, who do feel that way of they, they're not, they're not comfortable with the cue. They're not comfortable with the word. They don't really want to hear it. And I respect and understand that completely. So in conclusion, no. <laughs> so I'm really excited about how the show turns out. It probably is a whole damn mess because I actually recorded some of my intros and interstitials, you know, over the course of the last two weeks between the last episode and today. Uh, sometimes it was immediately after I spoke to someone. Sometimes it was a couple days after and I had to re-listen to their clip or whatever. And then, of course, I'm recording the ending at the very end. So this whole episode might be a whole damn mess, but it's been interesting to put it together for me. Have I fully reevaluated the word queer for my own self? Not entirely, but because of these conversations, I have definitely adjusted some of my views of it. I definitely have, as I said when I, in the intro when I started the show, I respect the term and I fully, I'm so excited that the LGBTQ community was able to reclaim the word so exquisitely that it is less often heard in the derogatory, even to my ears, than it is to be used in the positive. Amazing reclamation of the term and I'm so excited for it and, and glad for it. I'm glad that we do have an umbrella term to encompass all of the different identities within the umbrella. I, I do think it's important. My understanding of the word may not have been in a way that allowed me to be more comfortable with it. And so I will continue to be working on that journey. But when I set out to do this episode, I didn't realize I was going to find people who had similar feelings about the world as I. I've only lately been hearing it in such a positive and kind of being bummed that I'm feeling somewhat attacked <laughs> by hearing a term that is viewed so positively. And then I happen to stumble in these conversations into people who actually do have similar opinions to me, which is a little bit comforting. At the same token, I wish I had more diverse uh, responses to share with you, but I only got a chance to talk to four people between the time I was putting this episode together and the time that it airs. So definitely going to continue covering this down the pipe. 
if you did not hear yourself or your view represented in this episode, please, 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 please holla at your main and let me know because I want to share that side of the opinions too. Uh, it was just coincidence that Byron and I actually do have very similar opinions about the words and feelings about the words. Oh, but we do also come from the same generation. We're within a few years of each other in age. And so it makes sense that we actually do have very similar relation to the word. Javia being about 10, 11 years younger than me, you know, she is on that cusp of when the word was being reclaimed and finding for herself how to claim the word. And I have appreciated hearing Javia talk about this over the last year while we've been doing her show because it has actually aided because I really, I was less than comfortable with this word a year ago. And through Javia and producing Black Radical Queer, things have adjusted to me and I, for me, and I have gotten more comfortable, but I still have my issues. And then someone like Andrew, who again, quite a bit younger than me, but grew up hearing the determined, the derogatory. And so their, his acceptance of the word is a, is with that memory in, in mind too. But then also seeing how it can be used in a positive and kind of trying it on to see if it fits. Uh, similar space than than I'm in and yet we come from it from totally different things but then Monty's experience having it as a positive as a as a child and then but not feeling comfortable when people step out of turn out of pocket or or not within the community using it all fascinating that we we all have some issue with it and we're all embracing it in different ways whether you're embracing it professionally or because of the sake of the community or because it actually speaks to you or you're a little bit uncomfortable because the history I think all of our feelings and relations to the word is a valid aspect of our community and it's a conversation that we should be having. So if you didn't hear your opinions reflected in this episode, please holla at Jermaine. You can email me at byfuriouspod at gmail.com or go to Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, byfuriouspod, cross the board and let me know how you feel about the show. Or if you want to suggest topics or if you want to come on the show and talk about anything under the umbrella, please let me know because I want to hear from you. This is this is what all of my shows are about is building a community within the various intersections that I have access to. And so I want to hear your opinions. And I think that's a good place to wrap up. By Furious Podcast is a bi-monthly podcast, so we will be back in two weeks. We release episodes on the second and fourth Friday of every month. And if you would like to support the show further, besides the social media engagement, and the retweeting and, and the subscribing and the rating reviewing, you can go to anchor.fm slash byfurious dash main M-A-N-E, and sponsor us through the Anchor platform. It really, really does help to keep the show growing and growing. It allows me to create new opportunities, swag, pay for advertising, things like that uh, to grow the show. And that's just, that's just what we need when we're, when we're indie podcasters. We do have one sponsor for By Furious so far. The person did not necessarily want to be named, but I have a code name for this person who I'm sure is listening. Thank you, Sexy Caramel, for sponsoring the show and telling me through your sponsorship that you support me and everything that I'm doing out on these podcasts and streets. All right, that's it. See you in a couple weeks. Bye. By Furious with Mixed Girl Maine is a Maine Hustle Media podcast, produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Fury. Theme song for this show is called Bioconic, written by Conrad Music. Follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Pod. 
And if you like what you hear on By Furious with Mixed Girl Maine, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Unified. Unique. Voices. Unified. Unique. Voices. A network of inclusion. Unifospods.net. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.